0: So if you're here today and you feel a little bit awkward, a little bit weird, hey, it's okay, it's Thanksgiving, but we really believe that God has a plan for this service. And so we wanted to do something a little bit different, and um, we, we, we kind of made this announcement. We wanted to focus this Sunday on spending some time in prayer with Jesus for healing. So we're we're taking some space. We don't do this all the time, but we're taking some space because we think prayer is really important. And we also believe that God wants to heal people. That's a fundamental conviction that we have here at Capital Church. Jesus is not the great I was, he is the the great I am. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? Not our circumstances, not our hardship, right? Not time and space. Jesus is from everlasting to everlasting. And so um, today I'm going to just take a few moments, just kind of give you a blueprint for the service today. And I'm going to teach on healing. I think it's important that we teach on healing. I'm going to talk a little bit about it. I'm not going to be comprehensive today. Uh, I I wish I could, but I don't have three hours. I have 25 minutes. I'm going to share just a few thoughts on healing. Then we're going to move back into worship. How many of you enjoy the presence of Jesus? Enjoy the presence of Jesus? Some of you, that's all right. Yeah, you're like, eh, right? I'm kidding. I love you guys. You guys are amazing. So much turkeyitis here today. Uh, but before I do, can we thank our worship team? Before I get into the message, can we thank our worship team for that wonderful? Yeah. Two songs we went into the presence of God. But we're gonna go back into into worship after I'm done uh, teaching. And then uh, we're gonna take probably 10, 15 minutes. I'm gonna wait on the Holy Spirit. Somebody like, you can do that in church? We should be doing this in church. Like we just hurry our way through life. And so uh, we wanna take a few moments and uh, we're just gonna open ourselves up in a receptive way to the Holy Spirit what he wants to say and uh, we're gonna follow his lead and we're gonna believe that God is gonna do a miracle in our minds and in our bodies and everyone said amen Amen. and if you believe that God can do something powerful today can you say amen Amen. oh no 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 no. over here that was over here if you believe that God can do something powerful can I get an amen? amen All right, your, ch- your chance over here. If you believe that God can do a miracle in our life today, can I get an amen? Amen. Yeah. All right, all right. Uh, you guys tied. Good job. Uh, six out of 10 adults in America, and this is just fascinating to me, in America are suffering from chronic disease. That's everything from heart disease, and it can just, there's a long list of chronic disease, but heart disease and arthritis to diabetes. If you don't know, I'm a typo-diabetic. Uh, this is from everything from autoimmune issues and mental health uh, stuff that uh, so many people are experiencing today. Uh, this comes out to about 133 million Americans are suffering from chronic disease. That would be adults and children. Even a more staggering uh, statistic, almost 70% of Americans— are on prescription drugs for sickness or injury-related issues. So sickness, this is the understatement of the year. Sickness is still a prevailing feature of human life, even though we have a lot of medicine, good medicine. Now, let me just say this from the outset before I, before I go to healing. There's a weird notion in the church, and it's just I want to be very careful with this, and I want you to hear my heart, okay? As your pastor, I just want to get this out there. Um, there's a weird notion that we shouldn't have, and it's not in this church, but it's kind of a fringe movement, but I think we have to, we have to speak to it, that um, all medicine is bad, and we say no to that. I'm a type 1 diabetic. I've been a type 1 diabetic for 30 years. God has been faithful to me. I'm still believing that God is going to heal my body, but if it wasn't, to be really honest, if it wasn't for insulin... Uh, and really technology and the dynamics of technology and outside the healing of Jesus, I would not be with you today. So we believe in good medicine. We believe that all truth is God's truth. And that can harmonize well with our expectation of God healing us. So turn to your neighbor and say, don't get weird. Okay, that was a bad joke. So here's the thing. You guys with me this morning? So I, I, I want to highlight that because almost 70% of people are on prescription drug, uh, almost 140 million people with, by 2040, almost 190 million Americans will be suffering from a chronic disease. And again, there's a long list of that. So the point is, we know of someone who is sick. Uh, and experiencing something um, very difficult in their life. And we also maybe have experienced chronic um, disease. But let me just say this really quick. When it comes to chronic sickness, it's not just physical. Uh, chronic disease is a complex journey that I've experienced in my own life and some of you experienced in your own life filled with financial stress, anxiety. It can diminish the quality of life. And so we want to speak to um, sickness and disease. In fact, Francis McNutt said this, Too many Christians are broken in a destructive way, so badly broken that they cannot carry out the great commandment of loving God and neighbor. Their inner turmoil of anxiety or depression or their chronic sickness prevents them from carrying out God's will in their life. And so I wanna ask the question here today. This is a rhetorical question, so don't talk to me, okay? If Jesus was here physically, physically present, what do you think he would be doing? I think he would be healing the sick. I think he would. I think he's passionate about healing people. Let me say this really quick. Almost 40% of the gospels are healing stories. That's statistically significant. 12 of 28 chapters in the book of Acts address healing. There are 14 stories of healing in the book of Acts. In the Gospels, I think just roughly, there are 27 stories of healing. So we're talking about 40% of the Gospels are um, um, uh, re- revolve around healing stories. Uh, 12 out of 28 chapters address healing in the book of Acts. Again, that is statistically significant. The question that I wanna ask us and I wanna ask the American church is, are those percentages reflected in our gatherings? We should focus on teaching and we should focus on good worship and we should focus on fellowship and we should focus on the good things uh, and the benefits of, of community in church, but I just find it interesting that if we were to get some percentages on how we focus or or, or the lack of focus when it comes to healing, I think we would be pretty shocked. Or maybe not. I think the church is called, because of what we find in the Gospels and because of what we find the vocation of Jesus and in his ministry, the church is called to partner with Jesus to bring healing to the world. Why? Well, Jesus describes his entire ministry, please check this out, in terms of healing the sick, spiritually sick, uh, not just spiritually sick people, does Jesus want to heal, but he wants to heal bodies. He wants to heal brains. He wants to heal dysfunction. He wants to heal anxiety. He wants to heal chronic illness. He wants to take everything that has separated us and alienated us in our relationship with God, our father, and he wants to smash it. And he wants to heal it. In fact, Jesus, what I love the gospels, you read through the gospels, Jesus is relentless. Jesus, in other words, refuses to let someone go unhealed. John chapter 21, it, it kind of this wonderful moment, it's, it's bizarre. Jesus and Peter are, are on, by the shore and they're eating fish and chips at breakfast. How many of you love breakfast? Okay. So they're having the time of their life, right? Fish and chips, and they're having a conversation. And Jesus, or excuse me, remember Peter had just betrayed Jesus. And so they're having a conversation about it, and Jesus three times says, Peter, if you love me. Peter's like, what, What's going on? Right? Of course I love you, Jesus. And then Jesus asks him again, right? The second time, Do you love me, Peter? And Peter's like, Yes, of course I love you, Jesus. And then Jesus does it the third time, Do you love me, Peter? And Peter responds, Yes, Jesus. I love you. And here we have a picture of how God wants to draw out all the poison in our lives, wants to draw out all the shame. He wants to draw out all the sin. And we find throughout the gospel narratives, Jesus also wants to draw out all the sickness that defaces and damages our body. And he wants to take it into himself. And then he wants to release blessing and life and healing and wholeness. In fact, the word for um, salvation and healing is sozo. Everyone say sozo. Sozo is the word for salvation, and it's also the word for healing. They're the same, they're, they're two sides of this, the same coin. This word sozo evokes wholeness. So God wants to save the world. That means God wants to save us spiritually, and he wants to save us in terms of healing our broken and damaged bodies and brains and and, and chronic diseases and dysfunction and all of our loyalty, the 49er fans. He really wants to save you from that. So this is our building block right now. This is our starting point. If we're gonna talk about healing, we gotta start here. The question is, does Jesus wanna heal us? Mark chapter one. 40 through 42 says, and a leper came to Jesus imploring him and kneeling to him and said, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity. The better translation is compassion. Remember what compassion is? Compassion is that evocative word that describes a mother's emotions with her kids. Like I know when, when our children are sick, my wife, She is so amazing because just her motherly just love and instinct, she just wants to take the sickness from our kids and she's always just doctoring them and taking care of them. She is moved with compassion and all the moms said amen. As a mom is with her children who are sick, so is our father in heaven with us when we're sick in mind and body. So moved with pity or moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the leper and said to him, I will be clean, verse 42. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Okay, so here's the big idea, right? This is our building block, right? We can't move forward into a season of healing if we don't fundamentally believe this first. And it's this, there is a genuine, what we see in this passage, eagerness in the heart of God to heal his people. I am willing. I desire it, Jesus is saying. In fact, if you, just, if you just look at the ministry of Jesus, you get the impression that Jesus wants to heal us more than we want to be healed. Not us, of course, obviously, those back in 2000 years ago, but this translates to us. Can I get an amen to that? Jesus is our healer, and he feels what we experience on a day-to-day basis. He knows the complexity of life. He knows the dysfunction. He knows the chronic um, uh, issues that we face. It's important to understand that God is a good father, and he really does care about your body and your mind. He cares about the thoughts that kind of conspire against you and kind of compile together those troublesome thoughts that you think at night and that affect you the next day. And then two days later, you find yourself in a full-blown panic attack. God cares about that. God cares about, as Pastor Ken talks about it often, some of the pathological ways of thinking. He calls it stinking thinking, you know? The ways we distort reality, we distort our understanding of ourselves. It leads us down the road into depression, leads us into anxiety. God cares about that. God cares about chronic illness and disease. He cares about your neck. He cares about your back. He cares about all the things that you care about. In fact, it's important as we understand that God eagerly wants to bring healing to us. We also need to make a distinction here. An important distinction to make in the words of one author is, though God allows sickness, this is his permissive will on a widespread scale, almost without exception, God does not want us to be sick and does not enjoy it when we are. Sickness is a result of the fall. Jesus greeted sickness as an enemy. And even though God allows sickness and we can redemptively learn from it, and we can grow from it, and we can mature. Uh, our understanding of God can grow as we um, go through difficult times. We should do everything we can to get well. In fact, Jesus' attitude towards suffering versus sickness and oppression were very different. He told us to rejoice over suffering, but he never counseled someone to rejoice over being sick or being patient because disease is helpful and redemptive. What did Jesus do with the sick people? He healed them. I believe in counseling, and I believe in the redemptive shadow side of sickness and disease, but I want us to, there's this pernicious idea that I wanna just check it today, okay? I wanna tackle it. I wanna come against it. I wanna rebuke this thought in the church, and it's this that somehow you are called to suffer and to be sick. This pernicious idea, it's been in church history, it's kind of been on the fringes, and then sometimes it's coming to the center of some church experience throughout the ages, but it's this particular idea that you uh, have sanctity through the suffering of your sickness, and that you experience a blessing essential to spiritual maturity through being sick. And it's this idea which helped to destroy the common practice of praying for healing. Why pray for healing if you're going to be blessed when you're sick? Now, let me say this. I have been a type one diabetic for 30 years, as I mentioned. And I remember the doctor coming to me and saying, you're a type one diabetic. And I knew at that moment my life would be different. And I'm convinced that I'm in ministry today because of the grace of God and because I'm really handsome. I'm kidding, like what's, gotta wake you up. But I am here today because of that type one diabetic diagnosis, it, it did something to me. I understand the redemptive nature of chronic illness, which I've struggled over the last 30 years. It's made me more compassionate. It's made me more appreciative. It's made me more reverent for life. It's made me um, more, in, in many different ways, again, just more understanding of what other people are going through. And I'm in ministry today because of how God took a very bad diagnosis and turned it all the way around, flipped it upside down, took this crazy, tragic situation, and he worked it into a Great, wonderful testimony. And I'm a living, breathing reminder that God can take every hardship and any sickness and any difficulty and turn it around for his glory and for his good purpose over our life. But let me just say this, with that being said, suffering and sickness are different. We are called to suffer, but except in very rare cases, in the words of one author, we are not called to be sick. You can almost always trust, you can always trust that God wants you to be well. Some of you are like, oh, uh, Chris, slow down. So are you advocating an over-realized eschatology, right? That we should all expect to be whole and heal, and if we're not, then there's something fundamentally wrong with us. That is not what I'm saying. And that is a demonic caricature of what I'm saying. Some of us, we, we experience we, really difficult things with chronic illness and disease. And we want you to be encouraged today that God is using that for his glory and his good purposes. But I also want you to be encouraged that God can heal you in this very moment. That with God... All things are possible. Not just some things, not just a few things, not just a toothache, and that's important, not just a backache, and that's important, and God wants to heal that, but God can heal all things. I'm passionate about this. Can God heal type one diabetes? Talking to myself, yeah. Can God heal cancer? Yeah. Can God heal difficult diagnosis, untreatable things that the doctors have said over you? Yes. We believe that. We believe in the genuine goodness of healing. We believe that God wants to bring wholeness to your body. Number one. We have to start here. If we want to move forward into a season where we believe that God can, or where we see God heal people, we need to start with God and this basic understanding of who God is and his desire, and that is he is willing and he is eager to make our bodies whole. Two, healing is a demonstration of God's rule, or it's the present reality of the kingdom of God in our lives. So here's the, here's the thing. Healing stories are not proofs of Jesus's divine status. Hear me out. Do we believe Jesus is the second person of the Trinity? Yes. Do we believe that Jesus is fully God, fully man? Yes. Do we believe Jesus is the eternal word fleshed out? Yes, we believe that. Um, but healing stories do not function to express the divinity of Jesus. They, they do something a little bit different. They function to express the dramatic arrival of the kingdom of God. So I want you to remember, Jesus taught us how to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this is not cast as an indicative. This is not suggestive. Jesus is not just saying, hey, just ask me to do this. This is cast in the declarative. So what Jesus is pointing out is I want you to declare my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the point that Jesus is making, and I'm going to bring this in full circle to, to healing, is, guys, the story of Christianity, and I say this often, but please just kind of go with me. It's not about going to, to some heavenly disembodied existence where we shine like Rihanna's diamonds, okay? In other, it, it's, it's, the, it's the opposite direction. Uh, it's that, and this is the point that Jesus is making, It's that heaven is crashing into earth, smashing every evil desire and intent and everything that enslaves us, and it's setting the people of God free on earth as it is in heaven. Right. This is very important. Corey Timbun famously uh, said this: When you look at heaven, there's no anxiety in heaven. No. In heaven, there's no dysfunction. Right. There's no resentment. There's no chronic disease. Heaven is God's space in a biblical cosmology. It's a hidden dimension within creation. It's not some location way out in deep space. In other words, right now, heaven and earth are intersecting in ways that are invisible to our eyes. And yet, God right now is present. Heaven, in addition, is an executive control room. We find this throughout the Bible, replete throughout the Bible. It's a place where God rules all of earth. And so it's the intent of God to bring heaven down to earth, to join heaven with earth, to bring all of heaven and the peace and the freedom and the healing and the divine stuff in heaven and to bring it into, where are we at? Meridian, Idaho, right? In the Treasure Valley and make it available through his son, Jesus, who died on the cross, came back from the dead, and now sits in heaven, ruling all things, not from a distant place, but from a hidden dimension within creation. This is the intent of heaven to come to earth. There's no dysfunction. There's no disaster. There's no incompleteness in heaven. God wants to bring heaven to earth in our lives. And this is what you see. You see this throughout the Gospels. You see Jesus healing the sick and transforming matter and DNA. You see Jesus walking on water. What does, that, what does that signify? It signifies that our world is under new management. The sea was a, was a symbol of chaos. Jesus walking on the water is not like a nice little party trick. Hey guys, right? Look at this, you know? I'm God. No, it's a demonstration that Yahweh is now claiming sovereignty over not just souls, but wholes. W-H-O-L-E. God wants to redeem and save. Redeem is a fancy word for rescue. He wants to rescue every aspect of our lives from our minds to our bodies, to our emotional scripts, to our inner world, to our relationships, everything that matters to us matters to God. And God wants to transform every aspect of our life and set us free and put us into the flow of the kingdom of God. Am I talking weird here today? So now, now, in the present, the kingdom of God is here. And one of the signs of the kingdom of God being present is the healing power of Jesus. In fact, John the Baptist, uh, the cousin of Jesus, asked Jesus the question, like, are you the Messiah, the one that's gonna usher in the new age? You gotta bring in all the, the transformation of time and space. And, John the, and, and Jesus responded to his cousin, hey, tell him that the blind see, the deaf hear, The dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is for this world, not some other world. See, the problem, I think, with a lot of people that they have with Christianity is they don't find it interesting because they just believe in a caricature of Christianity. That Christianity is about going to a disembodied place rather than Christianity is about the kingdom of God crashing into earth and remaking every aspect of our lives. So taking our relationships, taking up our, our souls, taking our bodies, and completely healing and making them whole. When we understand that's what Christianity is about, that's transformative. Oh God, you wanna you wanna heal me now? Yeah. God, you want to forgive my sin? Yes. God, you want to heal me in my past? Yeah. God, you can heal me of this chronic disease that I've been struggling with for 25 years. Yes. God, you can do it right now. Yeah. He's eager. He's eager to bring his kingdom into our lives. So how do we, as we we close, and then I'm going to transition into worship. How do we participate in the healing power of God over us? Number one, really simple. Jesus often would ask the sick, do you want to be healed? See, here's the thing, I, so I, and I, I can relate to this a lot, um, being struggled over the last 30 years with, with a chronic sickness. If you've been sick for a while, if you're not careful, Find your partial identity in that. I know there's some people that, yeah, if if you've had a chronic sickness, I just, we're in the same boat, okay? So I think we can relate to this. Unconsciously, if we're not careful, we can form an identity around a sickness and we do it by normalizing it. We just assume, okay, this is my fate. This is my lot in life. I'm gonna struggle with the tensions of sickness. I'm just gonna have to whatever. And here's the thing. I believe God can still work in that. God can still do a tremendous work in our chronic sickness. And he can lead us to him. But if we're not careful, we can so unconsciously normalize it, create a dependency, on a sickness because we just were so used to it and it's largely unconscious that we fail to realize that the windows of heaven are wide open for us, available to us, and that it is the intention of Jesus to bring the goodness of healing in our body. Amen. I think also one of the reasons why we struggle if you've had chronic disease or sickness for a while, um, we have bad teaching in the church. I, I'm not gonna get into it, but maybe this kind of North American dispensationalism, uh, and I say this with, with all respect, I know cessationists, which is an offshoot of what we're talking about with North American dispensationalists. Some cessationists that are really good friends of mine. I love them, but they just don't believe that God works like he, how he did in the gospels. Or in the New Testament, I I believe that's false. I also believe that teaching is a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you a priori don't believe that God can do the miraculous, like how He worked in the Gospels, then He doesn't, you know, because God 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 wants to partner with us. God is deeply relational. And so he opens himself up, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he invites us into this relational dynamic because God values authentic freedom. And so he wants, he, he, it's like he's, he, he, he's inviting us to be a part of not only his community, but a part of his dynamic of rescuing the world. And so he invites us to come out of ourselves. And so I wanna challenge, I'm challenging myself and I wanna challenge any of those here today, you say, yeah, it kind of resonates with me. Question is, do you want, I think Jesus is asking us this, do you want to be made well today? I've had several moments, honest moments in my life with the Holy Spirit where I couldn't answer that question with a yes. I just got so used to it. I'm like, "Mm, God, do you really want to, you know? God, I know there's a lot of other people that I'm functional, and I know there's a lot of other people that need healing, but do you want to heal me? And, and because I so normalized type 1 diabetes, I probably would have said, God, I think I'm fine. I'm now at the point where I'm like, okay, God, um, yeah, I've learned a lot through my struggle with sickness, but I also believe that you're my healer. And I also believe that however daunting type one diabetes is, with you, it's nothing. With God, all things are possible. Second thing, really quick. Jesus, on many occasions, he looked for faith. He looked for faith. Remember, he, he, he would go around and he would ask, do you want to be made well? Right? He wants to pull us out of maybe some complacency and normalizing on, on an unconscious level. Uh, an identity with our sickness, but Jesus in many ways also is looking for faith from us. In one startling story, Jesus is unable to heal many sick people because of their unbelief. We've been schooled. Please hear me. I don't wanna be too academic here, but we've been schooled in our society to believe a worldview that rules out or screens out the miraculous or miracles a priori. In other words, David Hume, famous philosopher, Scottish philosopher, he said, miracles don't happen because they can't happen. That's the culture that we live in. It's what we have to fight against. It's what we breathe in every single day. And it's funny, the gospel of Mark, as we look at Jesus, Jesus comes to his hometown and Mark doesn't say Jesus wouldn't heal the sick. It says that Jesus couldn't heal but a few people because of the unbelief of Nazareth. Put that in your theological pike, pipe, pike, pipe, whatever, I mean, we're smoking everything here today, all right, what? Not here, culture, turkey brain, you know? What? Is God limited? No, but there's something to be said about the response of faith. It's funny, what is faith? Really quick, and then we're gonna pray. Faith has been so lampooned in pop culture you go on TV, faith is like, I don't know, it's, it's somewhat magical, mostly superstitious. It's all the country bumpkins, you know, all the people that don't have a brain, right? And, and if you're from the country, I love you. I'm from the country, okay? It's just the caricature, all right? Some of you are looking at me and judging me. Don't judge me, right? Uh, but it's this weird idea that faith is, is um, mystical it's 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 the stuff of of the superstitious but faith is not like that faith is not stepping out of the dark it's stepping into the light it's seeing reality as God sees it not as we see it faith also is a deep is a deeply relational word It's not just something we do with our mind. It's not just some abstractions when when it comes to systematic theology and you got to figure out all these wonderful truths that we find in scripture. And I think those things are important. Faith is not just about that, believing right things. Faith is trust and it's loyalty. It's trust and loyalty. So when Jesus is looking for faith, what is he looking for? He's looking for someone to put their trust in him. Why does that make sense? Just follow me and and then I'm done and then we'll pray. See, here's the thing. Trust is the cornerstone of any relationship. Yes or no? Okay, yeah, we believe that. So here's the thing. If there's no trust in a a relationship, let's say your marriage or a business uh, partner, what happens to that relationship? It fails, right? If there's no trust in a relationship, that relationship is fundamentally broken, right? We, we need trust and here's the thing let me just say this in an additional way there's no one in this world that has some some people that have faith and then some other people that don't have faith in other words it's not the case that some people have faith and other people don't have faith everybody has faith in something or someone it could be in science it could be in yourself it could be in your job it could be in, in that relationship we have faith right that's how we operate. You cannot operate without faith and without trust. Trust is fundamentally woven into the fabric of our relationships with other people and with God. And if we don't have it, the relationships broken. Church fathers defined the essence of sin as unbelief. It was, in, other, in the words of Irenaeus, he said, unbelief was a refusal to believe that God only wanted our happiness. And we find this in Genesis chapter three, that Adam and Eve failed to believe and trust that God was good and that he wanted to bless them. And he wanted to partner with them. They refused to believe that. And guess what happened? That refusal to to believe God led to the spiritual disaster we call the human condition. See, without trust, you only have corruption. With trust in God, that is the source of renewal and healing and wholeness and life. And this is what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for people who will just trust His Word. That's how relationships work. So faith is an invitation into a trusting relationship where God restores us back to health so we're going to spend some time in worship and then we're going to take about 10 15 minutes if it's okay with you you don't have a choice okay and we're going to pray we're going to believe that right now it's eleven fifty-four. 54 that god can heal broken bodies that god can heal that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me say this really quick. How do I, how do I negotiate the, the, how do I say this? The difficulty between expecting God to heal and still working with the chronic realities of type one diabetes. I've learned, and I'm still learning, to carry attention in my prayer life. And I just, I think this is just for an aside for some of you that might be struggling. Well, if God wants to bring healing and I've been praying and believing for it, why am I not healed? I just, this is what I've learned. I've learned to carry that tension. The tension is, I believe God wants to heal. I believe God desires to heal. I I believe it's the intention of heaven to restore not just souls, but minds and inner worlds and bodies. They've been damaged by sickness and disease. But I also know that God will give me the strength and the patience to carry what I have to carry in life. And what I do is I funnel that into prayer, that tension of expecting God to heal me, but also understanding if that's not happening right now, I'm still believing, but I also know that there's grace enough for me in that day to carry what I have to carry. It's important for us to understand that when it comes to healing. But, guys, you don't have to, but I want you to go on a journey with my wife and I and our elders. And this journey is, we are gonna fight the good fight of faith, and we are gonna believe that God is gonna pour out healing on this church, and it's gonna spill over into the streets, and we're gonna see people healed in dramatic ways We are going to fight for it. We're going to believe for it. We are going to be a church of believers, not agnostics. We're going to be a church that's going to fight and we're going to be passionate about healing and about how God wants to transform souls and holes and every aspect of our life. We're going to build for the kingdom of God and we're not going to stop and we're going to be relentless and we're gonna have God's passion, and we're gonna believe big things. And I want you to come with us on this journey. Some of you, and I'm done here. I'm gonna just spend some time in worship. Some of you, all I'm asking here today, cause maybe you just kind of, you're a little bit skeptical about this. I don't know if, about this Jesus and healing stuff. I would just ask, just maybe just open up your heart just a little bit. Just say, just go boop. Don't go, ah, right? You don't have to. If that's the thing, if you wanna do that, go, yeah, God, give me everything, right? Go full Pentecostal. If you're not there yet, just go, boop. Just open your heart to receptivity to the kingdom of God and the possibility of healing. And I promise you, you'll be surprised. God loves surprises. God loves to take your frames of references and just blow them out of the water. God, hey guys, 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 God is absolutely free. He's not limited by space and time. And yet, He invites us into a a, a relationship. And it's in that relationship, as we look to Him in faith, that He brings and releases His restorative power into our bodies and into our lives. So here's the thing, this is my fourth closing. Okay, so Mark chapter nine, the disciples can't heal. They've been healing everybody. It's been easy. Jesus gave them authority. So they come to this young man and they can't heal him. He's possessed. And this demonic power throws him around. So Jesus comes down. They have a little conversation about it. And at the end, Jesus heals this young man in an extraordinary way. And the disciples, are, they're, they're confused. So they come to Jesus and they ask Jesus, why could we not heal this young boy? And Jesus said this, These are the original manuscripts. He says, you can't, this kind, he says, this kind cannot come out but by prayer. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that there are levels of resistance in relation to the kingdom of God. And there are some healings and deliverances that require a greater commitment to prayer. Hmm? That there are some things that cannot come out, but by a greater commitment to prayer. And I I, I didn't mention this first service, but I think I need to mention this. I I just want to challenge you. It could be maybe there's some things, some resistance in your life that really they're, they're there and you can't get rid of them. It could be the case. Hear me out. It could be the case that God is asking you to go to another Level or a deeper commitment in your prayer life. And it's in your prayer life, as you commit yourself to Jesus, that you're given the authority over that sickness, or over that resistance. I think the church, guys, we're going to 2024 and it's gonna be an incredible year. Can I get an amen? But it's gonna be crazy. You know that, right? Crazy is gonna happen. I love it. Give me more crazy, right? Things are gonna happen, but the church, if we're going to thrive in the kingdom of God, we have to commit ourselves to a greater depth of prayer. It's in that greater depth of prayer. Prayer is not magical, but just positions us to hear and to receive from the Holy Spirit that the authority of Jesus is released in the church and released in the city. Can I get an amen? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I thank you. Jesus, you can heal all things. Lord, well, I thank you, you can heal necks, you can heal backs, you can heal broken bones, you can heal teeth, you can heal insomnia. I thank you, you can heal arthritis. I thank you, you can heal lungs and hearts and blood. Father, we thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So we just thank you, Holy Spirit, in this moment, that if there's anyone sick in body, even in mind, Lord, we thank you, But God' have given us a spirit of fear, but a power love and a sound mind. And I thank you that you can come and give us a sound mind, that there are those in this room that are struggling with mental thoughts, troubling thoughts, torturous thoughts. And I thank you today you can bring peace Today, you can lift off depression and anxiety and bring healing. So we thank you, Holy Spirit. We just open now, the next few minutes. We open this time for your presence. We thank you for the healing power of Jesus to be released. Jesus, I sense that you wanna do a surprising work in us. If you could take your hands, church, put on your heart. So we, we just open up our hearts and our minds to you say what you want to say holy spirit and do what you want to do we thank you for your goodness in jesus name and everyone said thank you for joining us today if you would like to give towards this ministry learn more about our church and events or are in need of prayer please visit capitalchurch.co